You've heard the message in these, in these stories that have been shared, and those are just a few of the stories that God is doing and has done through you and through the fact that you have refreshed people, and this whole series has been about refreshing others, and, and we're going to move into a series soon called Together, what we can do together when we live out the values of Jesus, which we see up on our screen all the time. We talk about everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. This big, big God church where anything's possible, right? And that's what we love about it, is we want to be that kind of a place. And uh, as we kind of conclude this series and move into the next one, I, I was going to just do five messages on Philemon, and I thought, no, I've got to do one more. And then I hear from David King, who, man, if you get a chance to sit under David's teaching, he's been doing it at 9 o'clock hour, and I know he's going to do some more for us through the year. Tremendous. It's just, I, I have been blessed. And, and yet he said that he did seven messages on Philemon. So I, we may put that other series back one because I'm kind of competitive. <laughs> you know, for the past five weeks, we have been looking at ways to refresh others. And I hope that's kind of been your focus. And we intentionally chose this AWOL and, and Jolene and, and Angie's stories for a reason because we, we really wanted, as we thought about this block party, we wanted to stop and celebrate and say, look how God has used us to refresh others. And, and I just believe we're at the beginning of, of that wave of what God is yet going to do through you and through us. In Philemon, this little one page, 335 word in the Greek, letter. Paul begins his letter in this way, and he says to Philemon this, verses 4 through 7, and that's only one chapter there, but verses 4 through 7, every time your name comes up in my prayers, I'm reading from the message because I like the way this rings here, it's like written like a letter, every time your name comes up in my prayer, says Paul, I say, oh, thank you, God. I keep hearing of the love and faith you have for the Master Jesus, which is interesting because often it's translated Lord Jesus, but if you think of Philemon, who is the master over Onesimus, he's making a very important point. Guess what? There's a master greater than you. I keep hearing of the love and faith you have for the Master Jesus which brims over to other believers. And I keep praying that this faith we held in common keeps showing up in the good things we do. And I love this. And that people recognize Christ in all of it. What we do here right now is come into the presence of God and say, God, we want to worship you, tell you how wonderful you are, thank you for the things going on in our life, come to you with the things that are trials that we're experiencing, and you go out of here, and tomorrow, even this afternoon and through the rest of the week, you have the opportunity, through the good things you do, to allow Christ Jesus to be seen, to refresh other people. That's why you're at your job. It's not just to make money so you can go on vacation and get a home. And all. One of the primary reasons, we're going to talk about this this fall, when we talk about this series that we're going to be doing, whatever you do, your work matters. He, he makes this very clear to him, he, and he just says to him, he says, and I keep praying that this faith we hold in common keeps showing up in the good things we do 
And that people all around us begin to recognize Christ in all of it. Friend, you have no idea how good your love makes me feel. Doubly so when I see your hospitality to fellow believers, which then begins the thread of beginning to very tactfully and persuasively share with him, he has an opportunity to welcome, to show hospitality, to receive and accept one who had hurt him and run away from him and deserved in many ways nothing good for him. Let's pray. Father, take these words, I pray, and... and I ask that your spirit would infuse my words and you would speak to our hearts, my heart, and that God, because we know that your word is powerful, living and active, that you would work it into our hearts and our lives, that God, as we do these good things and refresh others, they would see you through us, we pray in Christ's name, amen. In these past five weeks, we've been talking about different ways that we actually can bring um, joy and encouragement into people's hearts. And, and we've talked about those different ways you can refresh others. And to remember that this little letter, this is a small little letter, practically nothing. How to even get into the New Testament is in itself a story. And we talked about the power of practically nothing. How small can be powerful. That's kind of been the mantra of the um, women's gymnastic team, right? You seen that? Small can, and they are powerful. And we talked about it. This, uh, last week I had the opportunity to be a part of the Global Leader- Leadership Summit. And as we were at the Global Leadership Summit, um, we got to hear some incredibly gifted speakers speak about leadership. And one person was John Maxwell. And some of you maybe are familiar with John Maxwell. He's written more books than you can imagine. I mean, you know how they have the page of how many books they've written. Some people have three, four, five. He, he's got two pages or so full of them. But at one point he's teaching and he was, he was talking about the, the, the need, the incredible need to intentionally to make up your mind to value other people. He gave a great message on, on valuing other people. And at one point, one of the points he was talking about is the fact that you, you need to think of ways to do it and then look for ways to refresh others, to really show that they matter to God and to yourself. And, and so he was not just doing that for his own life and, and written this book, which he feels is one of the most important books he's written, but he was trying to do it also for his little grandson. And he was sharing this with his little grandson about this whole concept. And his, and his little grandson said, Papa, which is what he called him. Um, he said, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm, gonna, I'm going to open doors for people today. And, and John Maxwell said, wow, that, that's really, really great. I, I'm glad. And, and, and then he went on and he said, and, and when I do, Papa, I'm going to smile. Oh, that's wonderful. He's kind of patting on the back. And when I smile, I'm going to say, have a nice day. And he says, that's wonderful. And so his little grandson, he got done with it, and he was kind of thinking, well, that's kind of neat. He had this opportunity to talk to him about intentionally valuing and loving other people. So later that evening, his little grandson called him, and he said, Papa, Papa. And he said, well, what's up? And he goes, I opened 42 doors today. 
In a little way, he opened a door, he smiled at 42 different people and said, have a nice day. And we think about refreshing others being big things. When we do good and we desire to represent our God to people, you have to understand the little things you do at work for other people make a difference. And we talked about this whole idea of not just the practical, you know, just how uh, uh, the, the practicality of, of hardly doing anything, but this whole idea of blessing others right where you live. You don't have to pray about, you know, God, if you give me this, or if I get so much money, then I'll bless someone if I get to this place. And Paul is chained to this smelly guard 24-7, and he writes this letter, and he doesn't say Paul, a prisoner to Rome. He says, Paul, a prisoner, chained to Jesus. It's not to my circumstances at all that I'm chained. I'm chained to one who has control of my circumstances. And in those circumstances, no matter what it's like, I am going to live in such a way that I will look for and I will think about opportunities to refresh others. And then we talked a little bit about the value of a name and and the significance of a name. And here's this guy, this guy Onesimus, who's a slave, who runs away from Philemon, and he finds Paul. He hasn't been living up to his name, and and, and he he realizes he doesn't measure up, and for some reason he's going to get out of there, he's going to find his life, he's going to find it. And what he does is he has this life-changing encounter. He finds Jesus And no longer does he have to live up to his name because Jesus lived up to it for him. He went on the cross for him, died for him, and gave him life so that now he could actually, this name Onesimus meaning useful, and he had been just useless, now put his hands in in the hand of Jesus and let Jesus begin to lead him. That's what it means to follow him in a sense. And let Jesus be his leader and, and began to follow him. And now he became in the hands of Jesus useful to many people. And then we talked about this letter itself. This little 25 verse letter was Paul's tough talk with Philemon. Could have put it off. Could have decided, you know what? He'll never know Onesimus is with me here in prison in Rome while he's off in, in, in that area of Laodicea in that area of, of Turkey. I don't have to let him know. No one's going to find but he doesn't. He does what he knows is right and has this very, what I call, crucial conversation lays it all out for him and sends the letter back in the hands of Onesimus. And with all kinds of persuasion intact, here's what I think is really interesting about this. He never once pulls rank, his authority, and forces him. He, as strongly as he can, lets him know what's at stake, and then he says, it's your choice. You may be called and you may have done the tough talk since we've talked about that. The hardest thing to do is to leave it in someone's hands. Dallas Willard writes, asking is the great law of the spiritual world through which things are accomplished. And as long as we respect others and are thoughtful and gracious, we can keep asking, can keep seeking, keep knocking on the door of their lives, never forgetting that the latch 
of the heart is within. Which leads us to the message last week. Sometimes change comes slow. Because when God comes to us and when God comes to our culture, he wants to move in such a way that he doesn't want to just set up external laws. He gave the ten laws, but the ten laws were to kind of curb bad behavior so that good behavior would come out of the force of the law upon the will. And God never, never intended that. In the same way that he comes and he requests you, his deep desire is this, that from within, he will come into your heart and your life and begin to rule with the law of love. And not by some external law. That people will begin to get it, that loving others from within is, 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 is so important. And, and it's not, you don't need, you don't need speed signs. Because you look at the speed sign, it says maybe going 65. You don't go 125 because even though you may think you have the capability to do it, you won't do it out of love for someone else. Right? You're changed from within. You begin to forgive someone because you know what that means to be loved yourself and be forgiven. You begin to, to um, bless people when, when they curse you. And you begin to do these things because of what is now in your heart, the law of love which begins to flow out of you. And that's what God wants us to do. And that's what we looked at last week. So what else can we get out of this passage? There's a number of things, but we're just going to look at one. Okay? As we come to the end of Paul's message, he first makes this appeal, and he says, refresh others. In fact, your hospitality has been so encouraging to me, the way you've refreshed so many. And now he makes his one big ask at the very end of the letter. He makes this ask, And if you look at the verse, verse 17 and 18, Paul ends with this request, all the persuasion and hack, concluding with this appeal. He says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. Here's that, now we're at the, this is it right here. This is where he's been leading to. And if he has done anything wrong or owe you anything, charge it to me. One of the greatest ways you can refresh someone is through this little but highly significant, sometimes costly gift of grace. Of welcoming someone just as if you're welcoming someone far greater, more important, someone you love, whatever it would be. Paul basically says, be a partner with me. And in the Greek word, the word is koinonia. We have a class that's named after it. And in the word we often hear is the word fellowship. And it's this idea, then we have a good fellowship together. And it usually gets to be kind of a trite thing. It's, it's just the idea that you kind of are in, in a kind of friendly relationship or had some kind of event with some people where you're socializing together. That's not at all what the word means. It means to be a partner. It means in this very real sense that you are you are. Partners together for a cause. You are like fellow soldiers together in a war. You are standing together for something so important that it can change lives. And so he says, I want you to be a partner. I want you to, to join in the cause with me here. And the big ask is this. Be a partner with me, and here's what I want you to do. Welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. Catch that? Welcome this guy who's bringing this letter, who ran away from you, caused you problems, probably did you wrong, more than likely owes you something. 
And I want you to kind of throw your arms around him. I want you to greet him. I want you to have him come into your presence as if I were walking into your presence. That's a big ask. See, to welcome another is much deeper than just a handshake at the door. We think of it again kind of in a, in a more kind of um, mirror sense of just, well, hi, how you doing? It's good. Welcoming here is a much bigger deal. Doug Moo, who is a New Testament professor of mine at Trinity, writes in his commentary, he says, this, the sense of the word to welcome, which in the Greek is this word proslambano, can be gauged from the only other place where Paul uses it, to, to encourage the squabbling factions in the Roman community to receive each other, that is, to fully accept one another. So let me read you two verses where he uses the same words, and you'll get the, the the taste of what this word is like. In Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, reading from the Living Bible, it says, Give a warm welcome to any brother who wants to join you, even though his faith is weak. It's maybe not as great as your faith. Don't criticize him for having different ideas from yours. Novel thought. But what happens in the church so often? What happens in the work world around you or at school? Don't criticize him for having different ideas from yours about what is right or wrong. For instance, don't argue with him about whether or not to eat meat that has been offered to idols, which was a big deal in that day. Some felt freedom to eat that meat, some didn't. You may believe there is no harm in this, but the faith of others is weaker. They think it is wrong and will go without any meat at all and eat vegetables rather than eat that kind of meat. Those who think it is all right to eat such meat must not look down on those who won't. And if you are one of those who won't, don't find fault with those who do. For God, catch this, here's the word again, for God has welcomed or accepted or received them to be his children. That's the depth of that word. Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 7, the word is used one other time. So warmly welcome each other into the church just, here, get this again, just as, it's the same kind of idea, just as Christ has warmly welcomed you. And guess what will happen when that happens? God will be glorified. He'll be magnified. We'll have stories of people standing up and saying, I can't believe you took me in the place I was at with all that was going on in my life and you loved me like you loved me. You loved me as if it was Jesus himself standing before you. And this word welcome is a really powerful word. It means to receive. It means to accept another just as Jesus accepted you. Right where you're at. Jesus didn't ask you to clean things up first. He didn't ask you to get your act together first. Jesus welcomed and he received and he accepted the sick and the poor and the immoral prostitute and the amoral tax collector. Anyone who came to him. In fact, it says that no one did he cast out, not even a broken reed would he cast aside. Not one messed up person. But he welcomed them. So we have a thing we do here. We always say, everyone's welcome and nobody's perfect. And we're going to talk about that more. But I would love for you to take a second because I want you to practice this inward. So turn to someone next to you and just say, you're welcome here. Come on, let's hear you. You're welcome here. Tell them that. Okay. Now I want you to try another one, okay? This is going to be a little more of a stretch. 
Okay, don't, I don't want to lose you, but this is a little more of a stretch. You're, turn to him and say, you're welcome here and you're not perfect. Okay. Now, some of you sitting here, some of you sitting here, your spouses have said that many times. So maybe you need to turn to someone else. Okay, here's one that's going to be even harder, guys. I want you to turn this time and say, you're welcome here and I'm not perfect. Okay, here's what happens. Paul is writing to Philemon, who has this very imperfect, in his mind, useless, runaway slave who, think about it, Onesimus could have had stamped on his forehead as a result of going back to him the word affugitivus, which in the Latin is a word for being one who is a runaway. He... He trusted his savior. He trusted Paul, went back into this, was willing to take the consequences for it. And he's standing before him and he's reading these words. And as he's reading these words, he looks up at Onesimus, welcome Onesimus as if it was Paul. Just as you would welcome me. And I, I got thinking about this when I was thinking about this message. What if we live this just as kind of life with other people? It's just as kind of life with them. What if you welcomed others into your life just as you welcomed your best friend? And you're going into the office and you see the person that you, gives you a lot of trouble. You, you welcome like he was your best friend. You showed love to them even though they didn't deserve it. What if we live this just as kind of life with others? What if... We accepted those who disagreed with us just as, in a similar manner, as we accepted those who agreed with us. Try that for a size. What, this is going to be a little more difficult. What if our willingness, where we live and where we work and where we are with others, what if our willingness to connect with others became more important than our need to correct others? Think about it. In your mind, you may never say, you're just too polite, you're too kind, but in your mind, you're all talking about if they just get their act together, or if I did, they did this, right? What if your willingness in your mind is going, oh, I just would love to connect with them. I'd love to have our, I'd love to have some kind of connection because in, Here's the key. When you're connecting with them, if you're really connected to God, they'll eventually be connected to God. You cannot help but, but bring along with you the person you love the most. If, if Jesus is the person who is in your life and, and is ruling your life with love, you cannot help in seeking of not to correct the person, but to connect with the person. You cannot help but bring a chain of them eventually seeing through your good things that Christ is in it. So what if, what if, what if we accepted those who disagreed with us in the same way just as we accepted those who agreed with us? What if our willingness to connect with others became more important than our need to correct others? What if you received into your life those who hated you in similar ways that you accept those who love you? Now, don't get mad at me on that one because that's right from Jesus. Jesus said it. He said, you heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who, and the word persecute, you could actually put in the word terrorize you. What? 
What if this was the kind of welcoming grace as followers of Jesus we displayed? I wouldn't preach today. We'd have story after story of people who have been connected because of your connection to them into the lives of Jesus, in the life of Jesus. We might actually, if we welcome others as we welcome those we love, we might actually resemble our Heavenly Father. We might actually look like Jesus in this world. We would actually refresh and redeem and reconnect people to God. So enough about Paul and Philemon and Onesimus. Let's talk about the Chicago Cubs. Okay? Because um, I, actually my dad is, is live streaming this right now. So dad, Chicago Cubs. Anyway. The reason I say that is because, you know, these lovable losers have now become uh, the most outstanding winners. In fact, except for the game they lost yesterday, they were 11 straight wins. Yeah, yeah, you can, uh, and, and they, they're 13 games ahead in their division of the perennial winners, the St. Louis Cardinals. They have the most wins of anyone, any team in the majors. You're wondering where I'm going with this, Right. Well, a few months ago, a few months back, um, I got a letter from Chicago Cubs, and they're looking for relief pitchers. Um, <laughs> no, no, they're really looking for a chaplain. No, I, I'm just all that stuff I'm kidding about. Um, so you can see the letter, and if you see the next thing, you'll see that um, one um, one of the things they were doing in this letter is to inform us that in last year's remodeling of Wrigley Field, they had to move the block that we have from my father there um, to Waveland Avenue, which is a good place for it to be. It's very appropriate because that's kind of the area. In fact, go to the, the, you can see the block where they say Waveland Avenue. And then I'll show you the next one. This is where the block used to be. And it's right in the middle there. It says, he's with dash me, see pass 044 for Ken Myers. See that? Well, the reason I want to share this with you and, and, and is because my dad grew up um, blocks from Wrigley Field, and he, and he used to park cars in front of his own home and, and, and would, would sell orange crates for bleacher seats and would also, on many occasions with a few of his friends, would try and sneak into the game on Waveland Avenue and get in there and go to the clubhouse. And, and there's a guy named Andy Fran. Well, there's a lot of guys named Andy Fran. They're the ushers who I really like. Police, um, security guards, and, and they would watch there at the gate and make sure that no kids would come in. They would kind of welcome people. And my dad would try and sneak in one time. He actually was a group of guys were coming in, and he kind of got in there like he was with our son. And Andy Fran, had, you know, he, they, after a while, these guys know who the kids are sneaking in. He comes over, and he grabs my dad. My dad's practically in there. And he turns around, and starts pulling him like this. And this very athletic guy comes by and grabs my dad's other arm. And, and, and he tells to the Andy Fran guy, and the Andy Fran guy knows who this guy is. He, he looks at him. It's Claude Passeau. All-star pitcher, shut out in the World Series. You know, this is when the Cubs are actually in the World Series, lost it. But anyway, um, grabs my dad's arm, looks at Andy Fran, and says, he's with me. Walks him into the stadium, comes in and just a little bit into the stadium, and he knows he has to go to the locker room, kind of pats my dad on the head and says, enjoy the game, son. Now, I've got to share with you, um, my dad, I'll just show you the picture of him. I think I had one more up here. 
And this is um, my dad with his cub hat. And Leslie Frazier, I remember I told you he came for, remember I said small things are powerful? 15 minutes he spent with my dad when he was in town here. Just to spend some time. So anyway, so that's good. You get, that's enough dad with the cub hat. Um, but here's the truth. My dad, on his own, could never get into the confines of Wrigley Field. That little 12-year-old or so could never, through his own ability, make it into the Cub Field. He didn't have the money. He didn't have the uh, pass to get in. He couldn't get in on his own merit. He couldn't get in in any other way but due to the fact that Claude Passeau came along with his authority and his power, grabbed hold of him, and marched him through the gate into the presence of the mighty Wrigley Field Chicago Cubs. The hallowed sanctum. And he walks him in on his authority and power, not anything within my father himself. Now, why do I tell you this? Because this idea of he's with me can apply in so many different ways. When, when Paul says, welcome him as you would welcome me, if there's anything he's done wrong or he owes, charge it to me. And you think of how refreshing that is. You have the ability to actually engage people in their life. You have the ability, whether it be at work, sometimes at church here, or in different places, you have the ability to take people on the outside. You have the ability to refresh them. You have the ability sometimes to carry them into a circle of friendship because they don't have any or they're outside that. You have the ability to refresh people because you can at times go, he's with me or she's with me. Some of you may have the ability like the Apostle Paul who is on the outside seeing two people in a broken relationship and you have the opportunity to come alongside them and help them reconcile and come together. And what's most amazing to me in this, what's most amazing to me in this is that this is exactly what Jesus did for you and me in, the, in regard to the Heavenly Father. Right? Most amazing. None of us through our own abilities, through the things that we can bring, through our good works, through all the things that we seek to, to come before God who we know we've displeased, who we know that we've sinned against, and we know that through ourselves we don't even have the right to stand in his presence. None of us can do that. But Jesus goes, hey, wait a second, Father. As you're trying to get in through your own works and you finally maybe give up or you've been cast away and, and, and you're like Onesimus and, and you don't feel yourself useful in any way and as you're kind of walking away, Jesus comes along to the heart that's open and he grabs your arm and he says to his father, Father, would you welcome Kevin like you welcomed me? I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. People don't deserve necessarily our helping them connect to one another, helping them connect to God. You may be in a place where you're saying, you know what, all my life I've wanted to have a relationship with my Father in heaven, and I've sought to do everything, and I just 
just can't seem to get there. I can't seem to do it. And here is the wonderful, wonderful news of the gospel. If you're willing to, and you say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus comes along and says, Father, whatever your name is, welcome, welcome, welcome him or her, just as you would me. That's, that's, the, that's the heart of the good news. That today and forever, you can experience the love and presence and grace and goodness of God, not because you merited it, not because you're doing a lot of good things, not because you're trying real hard, not because you're trying to even love God real hard. It's when you come to that place and you go, you know what? It's not about me. It's all about the love that God has in his heart that he displayed in Jesus. And Jesus comes along and he says these incredible words, welcome each and every person who will put their faith and trust in his love for them through what he's done on the cross through Jesus and through this experience of understanding of your need of him, you allow him to say, guess what? He and she with me. That's what we celebrate most. And I just encourage you, if you've experienced that love, I would say it like Paul was saying it to Philemon. Church family, Let's not go around correcting people. Let's go around connecting people to God. Let's love them into his presence. I'm going to ask you to stand as I pray. If you are um, before the Lord and you know in your heart of hearts that he... You know you're not right with him and you've, you've, just, you've come to that place and you've never opened your heart to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity right now as we're standing to just say a simple prayer. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I confess my need of you. I confess my, my shortcoming and my sin and I just open my heart to you now and forever. If that's the heart of your prayer, all you have to say is, Jesus, just send your spirit into my spirit. Father, I pray seal these decisions, Father, for you. Father, take us, we pray by your hand, and lead us into relationship with others where we might truly do those kind of good things that Jesus will be seen in it and hearts will be refreshed and we will see people connected, God, connected to your son, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these stories. Thank you for what you're going to do in through us, God. Thank you so much for calling us together at this time, this historic moment where you are going to do things that you have promised to do for years. You are going to open up your spirit in ways that will move through us, that will touch lives, and we will stand back in awe and say thank you. Thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen.